He wrote this book when he was an old man. I love this book. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. People think it's too hard, it's too mean, it's too rough. I love it. I love it. It tells you the truth. People don't like that. They want it to be all nice and kind like the Song of Solomon or some of the book of Psalm. But uh, Ecclesiastes, an old man, looks back on life and he says, Vanity of vanities. It's all vanity. <laughs> nothing means anything. That's what happens when you get older. The older you get, you're like, it don't mean nothing. Nothing means nothing. It's all worthless except for God, except for Jesus Christ. But to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4. <clears throat> We're singing before this. and You can blame Brother Collins for throwing my voice out. Then he, then he did us wrong. Mike, he didn't tell us he was going to be doing the low parts or whatever, and we're, we're stuck trying to do the high parts. And that's the worst. I can't wait for some of y'all to get stuck up here doing that so I can laugh. <laughs> and I tried to yell out Daryl's name, but he somehow, you, you, yeah, you got through there somehow. I don't know how that worked out, but you're smart that way, brother. You got it figured out. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4, Where the word of a king is, there is power. Amen. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? You can't. When a king speaks, you can't. I want to talk about the power, the power in this King James Bible. I want to preach this morning on the power of the word of God and the power in this King James Bible. When I talk about the word of God this morning, when I talk about the Bible, I'm holding up a King James Bible. I use a King James Bible. Now you might say, well, you're old fashioned. That's why you do that. Well, I'm not. For number one, I'm not that old. <laughs> but number two, I was an NIV reader. I did use an NIV. I read an NIV. I read a new King James. I read all kinds of different versions. And then one day God showed me something out of this word. And I started looking at the truth. And I came to the truth that, you know what? I believe the King James Bible is God's word for the English-speaking people for today and forever. And I think it's pure. I think it's clean. I think a lot of the other versions have problems, have errors, have missing verses out of them. Now, I don't have time to go into all of that this morning, but you need to investigate that yourself if you have any doubt. That's between you and your God. But as for me, when I say the word of God, when I say the Bible, I'm talking about a King James 1611 Edition. That's what I'm talking about right there. I'm talking about this is the Word of God. And my Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4, where the word of a king is, there is power. There's power in these words. Not in the principles, not in the ideas, not in the philosophies, not in the, like in the teachings, like in these faraway, in the very words, the letters, the dots, the Tittles, the underlines, they're all right there on the page. There's power in that. And if you don't understand that, you haven't been around this Bible very long. And that's what I'm going to preach on this morning, the power of the Word of God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you humbly. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, you know I'm a nobody. I'm dumb. I'm stupid, Father. I can't, I can't get any kind of wisdom outside of your Word, Lord God. And I I thank you, Father, that these people come in this morning, Lord God, to hear from you. They don't want to hear from me, Father. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will move among us, leading, guiding, directing us into all truth, Lord God. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that 
We'd have a heart for your word. Lord, we'd have a heart for your words. And Lord God, I pray, Father, that we'd have a, a desire to read it, to get to know it, to get to know you better, Lord God. And Father, I thank you, Father, for just uh, giving us these words to read, Lord God. I know there's men and women, Lord God, that have bled, that have died, that have had their heads cut off, Lord, that have been burned at the stake, Lord, that have been torn in two, Lord God, to get us these words into our lap, Lord God. And we ignore them. We don't read them, Lord. I pray that you would forgive us for that, Lord. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will move among us leading, guiding, directing us into all truth. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. There is power in these words. If you don't understand the power of the written word, you haven't been reading your Bible very long because when Jesus Christ was attacked by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, go home and read it. Matthew chapter 4, the devil shows up and he starts tempting Jesus Christ. And when he tempts Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ's response was literally this. It is written. And he'd quote the word of God. Satan would come up and quote something at And Satan would come up and Satan would quote the word of God. And Jesus Christ, would, knowing the word well enough to know, he would say, it is written. And then he'd say, tempt not the Lord thy God. Three times Satan tempted Jesus Christ. And three times our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, it is written. He didn't say anything else to the devil. He just quoted scripture at him. Guys, there's power in this word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, For the word of God is quick. That's an old English word meaning alive. It's quickened. It's alive. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is powerful. Uh, I found this out in a real way when I was out street preaching in New Orleans. We prayed, me and uh, Mark Smith and Brother Chad Reese, we went down to Mardi Gras in New Orleans. We were going to go street preaching down there at all that, that hell hole when everybody was drinking and raising hell. We were down there. Uh, we, we fasted for about a week, and then we went down there, and we were going to go street preaching. Went down, went street preaching. Some souls were getting saved. I led a, a, a couple of young boys to the Lord down there. They helped us hand out tracts. I've told the story a couple of times. We're out street preaching with the, the uh, pastor, Soche, that we were with. He said, you know what, guys? Now we're going to close this out because it's starting to get kind of dark out here. And it was. It was starting, the sun was starting to go down. He goes, when it gets dark out here, you don't want to be out here, brothers. So let's, 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 let's shut this down. And he said, uh, let's gather around. And we got some street signs. And we had these poles. And they had scripture written on them. It's just the word of God. What you're reading out of your Bible is written up on some signs. He said, let's go down here. And we're going to go down. And we're, going to, we're down at Jackson Square. And we're going to go down. We're going to walk right down Bourbon Street holding those signs. So, man, it's down there, just crowded elbow to elbow. And we get down in there, and we start down this one street to turn right to go down, and we're going to walk the whole way down Bourbon Street. So we start down there, and I'm with Chad Reese, and Chad Reese is behind me, Mark Smith's in front of me, and we're holding these scripture signs. There's all these motorcycle gangs and motorcycles lined up here, and they're, they're all staring at us like that. And one of them walks over there, and he walks right up behind me to, to Chad Reese, and he says, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. But he didn't say that very nice. He said, you're in the wrong blankety place in the wrong blankety time. And in my mind, I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> we're about to get into a fist fight. Here we go. Because I'm not going to let him jump on him. I'm going to take a punch and then, you know, we're going to get killed. So we get around. We, he didn't do nothing, though. That's all he said. And Chad didn't respond to him. We just kept walking. And we turned and we turned that corner and we had those signs and he had the word of God on it. And I'll never forget it. I look over there and it was just 
thousands and thousands. I mean, just elbow to elbow. You couldn't even go like this. There's just people crowding around. And Brother Soche was in front of us, and we had those scripture signs. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. We started walking down Bourbon Street, and it was like Moses in the Red Sea. They just started parting like this. They just started coming apart like this. And I'll never forget the looks on their faces as I looked at these people. And they, were look, they weren't looking at me. They were up there looking at the Word of God. And what was amazing to me was as they were staring at those signs, reading the Word of God as it went by, and, and they were spreading out and making way. I was thinking, man, if somebody wanted to come up, they could stab me, and nobody would ever know it. Nobody would ever know who done it. It was that tied in there. They could have just come up there, stab me, and, and kill me. I mean, I had a lot of fear in my heart when I saw what was going on. And then the peace of God came on me, and I saw their faces. And what amazed me is I saw their faces reading the Word of God, and the looks on their faces that, that was just, I can't, I can't hardly describe the look on their faces as they were reading that scripture. I seen in my mind and thought to myself at that very time that there's power in the word of God. It's working on these men's and women's hearts. That's why I think it's so important for us. To, we get out there at Hamilton Courthouse. We get out here at uh, the traffic tee in Brownwood and we hold up signs that have scripture on it. And you say, what good are you doing? They're not getting saved. People aren't coming to church. People but they're reading the word of God. And I believe there's power in the word of God. And the Bible says that he, God promises his word will not turn, return unto him void. He'll use it. He'll use that power. He'll use that word. He'll work on men's hearts, work on women's hearts. You, you can't say enough to get people to save. It's got to be the word of God. The word of God's got to work on them. Come into that heart and work on that. that there's power. There's, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in these pages. Amen. Look at Psalms chapter 19. I'm going to show you this power, what the Bible has to say. Look at Psalms chapter 19. Psalms chapter 19, verse uh, 130. Man, there's power in this word. I've seen it over and over in my ministry. I've seen it work on men's and women's hearts, young men and women's hearts. Uh, it's powerful. This word is powerful. We don't, we don't, we don't uh, respect it enough. Uh, you go to a church and uh, you say, I went to the church and... There was something not right. I don't know what was right. More than likely what was not right is there was not a Bible opened up and there wasn't the Word of God preached. Guys, I don't think I'm a good preacher. I don't think I'm a smart preacher. But one thing I'm smart enough to do is I know I'm going to open up this Bible and I'm going to read God's Word. And the reason why I do that is because it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter. The Word of God will work on your hearts, will work on you. Because I've seen it happen over and over and over again in men and women's lives that it wouldn't be a good sermon. It wouldn't be a good outline. It wasn't nothing special about it. But the Word of God will work. And I'm trusting that when I open up this Bible, I'm not trusting in me. I'm not trusting some philosophy or some idea. I'm trusting that these words will pierce the dividing asunder of heart and soul and, and your morals and will work in your life. You got, I believe that. Now, there's power in these words. Now, look at Psalm 119, verse 130. Psalms 119, verse 130. Now, this whole chapter of 119 of Psalms is all about the Word of God. Go home and read it. I encourage you to read it. It's great. It's wonderful. But we're going to just touch on some things of this. And I'm going to show you some things that the Bible has power to do. In your life. This is some things the power, the Bible has power to do. I can't list them all. We don't have that much time. But we're going to look at verse 130. Look at verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light, if it giveth understanding unto the simple. 
This Bible has power to get you wise. This Bible has power to make you wise. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It's like a cartoon. You see those old cartoons where the cartoon character be there and there'd be a little light bulb out there and it'd go, ding, that light bulb would come on, that's it. That light bulb goes, when you're reading the Word of God, it's amazing how you're reading the Word of God and you'll be reading something in there and it's just like, ding. There's like a light shines down from heaven and goes, boom, to to that verse. And you're like, I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. Uh, Brother Adams, last Wednesday, he was leaving out the church and he said, you know what, Brother Keegan? He said, I've read my Bible and read my Bible and read my Bible over the years. And this is, this is an elderly man. And he said, it never amaze, ceases to amaze me that every time I read the Bible, no matter, no matter how many times I've read that part of Scripture, I'll find something new in it. That's my testimony. I laughed. I said, man, that's me, brother. I, I've read John chapter 3 uh, probably over a hundred and something times and studied it deep, deep, real deep study of John chapter 3. And then reading through there and like, Where'd that come from? It's like somebody snuck in there and wrote that in there. That's how God works. And that light, boom, lights up. Man, if you're dumb, God can make you wise. I'm going to tell you something else, though. If you think you're smart, this Bible will make you look dumb. (laughs) This Bible will make you look dumb. Yeah, I'm smart. There's a professor. I'll give you an example. Professor Columbia for professor. Columbia, professor for the University of Columbia, 1917, around that area, he was saying, they were asked him in class, they said, do you believe the Bible? He says, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe this Bible, not one bit. And they asked him, why, professor, why do you not believe the Bible? He said, for, because this Bible, for this Bible to be true, Israel has to become a nation again, and that's an impossibility. Therefore, I do not believe the Bible. 1948, guess what happened? Israel became a nation again. Hey, Colombian professor, what do you think about that? <laughs> kind of made you look dumb, didn't it? Do you think he repented? Do you think he started believing the Bible? Nah. <laughs> he found some other reason not to believe this Bible. This Bible will either make you wise or will make you look stupid. Look at Psalms chapter 119, same Psalms. Let's skip down to verse 97. Go back down to verse 97. Go back in the Bible to verse 97. Psalms 119, 97. This Bible has power to give you wisdom. Look at verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Meditating on the Word of God. Thinking about the Word of God all day long. Just thinking about it. Verse 98. Thou, through thy commandments, has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. Those words, that ever, they are ever with me, that's not they, the enemies. That's talking about the words of God. The words of God are ever with you. They're in your heart, they're in your mind, you're reading them, you're studying them, you're thinking about them, and they'll make you wiser than your enemies. Isn't that something you want to be? Don't you, do you, y'all have some enemies in here? I do. Don't you want to be wiser than your enemies? Amen. Wise as a serpent. Jesus Christ said this, wise as a serpent. Harmless as a dove. Dr. Ruckman would say, two serpents to one dove. What does Christ mean by that? You can be wise to this world, wise as a serpent. You know how the serpent works. You know how the world works. You know the evil in there. You know how it works. You know how it's going to do. But you're harmless as a dove. You might know how it works, but you don't want to have to do it. 
You, you can be wiser than your enemy. That don't mean you, have to be, you don't have to act like your enemy. Amen? Verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for, that my, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. It'll make you wiser than your teachers. It'll make you wiser than your professors. Isn't, I mean, I know I didn't last long in high school, but isn't that what every high schooler wants to think? <laughs> that they're smarter than their teacher? The Bible says, I make you smarter than your teacher. I make you smarter than somebody who has a PhD. I've met some people with some PhDs. Some of them are pretty dumb. I can't even get an amen for that. Golly, y'all are a tough crowd. Y'all ain't never been to your doctor and he said something stupid to you? You know how many years of education it took him to get that degree to be able to allow you to come in there and sit in his office and give you a prescription? Hadn't you ever been in there and him say something really stupid about politics? Or even about medicine? All y'all have always heard the truth. All of y'all have always got 100% the truth from a doctor. The doctor's always been 100% right in y'all's life. Now, the only ones laughing are the ones that have some, old, have some gray hairs. Because you've been to the doctor enough to know he was stupid. You realize that the doctors of 100 years ago laugh? Uh, doctors today laugh at the doctors of 100 years ago? They scoff at them and laugh at them. Do you know 100 years ago the doctors laughed at 100 years before that? In other words, they're trying to catch up to this word of God is what they're trying to catch up to. The wisdom of God. You want to be wise? You want to be smart? Right there. It's in the book. It's in the book. Look at verse 105. Here's something else that the Bible gives you power to do. Verse 105. Here's a famous one. Psalms 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. Amen. You open up this book, it'll show you how to live your life. Amen. It gives you the power to live life. It amazes me, either through TV or just through social media, wherever I, how many people say, What's the meaning of life? My life has no meaning. This book will show you. This book will give you the power to know what your life is about. To know what life's about. It gives you the power to know how to live life. Keep your hand here, but turn to Proverbs 6. Just turn to the right a couple of, not a couple of pages, but a little more, about 20 pages. Proverbs chapter 6. Look at Proverbs chapter 6. I want to show you something out of this. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. If I'm going to be preaching on the Word of God, I better be reading it. What's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? So Solomon says here in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, look what he says here. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. There's a lot in there, Solomon just said. But just to break it down, what he said is there in verse 22, God's, verse 22, God's words will lead you, they will keep you, lead thee when thou sleepest, it shall keep thee, they will keep you, and when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. Amen. I can give you the testimony of my life that God's words, they lead me, they keep me, and they do talk to me. When I read it, it seems like it's reading me. When I read it, it seems like it's talking back to me. 
It goes on to say, verse 23, that God's words for the commandment is a lamp. God's words are a lamp. That's heat. Are you cold? Are you cold-hearted? God's, God's word will light you up. It'll heat you up. God's word is a lamp for heat. It's a light for sight. Are you blind? Are you in darkness? Does everything just seem like a dark cloud in your life? This book will give you light. It'll give you sight. And finally it says, And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. This word of God will give you the way of life. It'll give you a way of living. I live the way I live, not because I come up with this idea, come up with this philosophy, or just start one day wake up and say, you know what, I think I'm going to start going to a building, and I want to open up this old book that's about 2,000 years old, and I want to hear somebody read out of it, and I want to read more about it. I mean, that's, that's nonsense, guys. Nobody would ever want to do that, right? I mean, maybe I, maybe I, I wouldn't want to do that. But when you think about how God works through the Word of God, how God works, you go... He wants me to do that. That's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to live my life. You know what's funny about that? I seem happy. I've got joy. I was talking to a young man who's a professed atheist. He was arguing with me and arguing with me and arguing with me about God. And there is no God. And there, there is no Jesus Christ. And, and it's just going on and on and on. And I, you, know what, you know what my answer to him was? Well, that's kind of funny. Because I look at your life. You have no job. You're miserable. You're depressed, you're a drunk. I look at my life following Jesus Christ, I have a job, I'm happy, I'm joyful, and I take care of my family. And you're sitting at my table right now, under my roof, arguing with me. I don't want to go your way. I see your way. It isn't working very well for you. But the way I've seen other Christians live, I've admired that. I've looked up at them. I see them. I've seen the men and women that went before me. And the way they followed Jesus Christ, I said, that's what I want. I want that joy. I want that happiness. I want that peace. I want that contentment. I want that sinless life. I want to be holy. I want to be looked up on. I don't want to be looked at as as a scrub, as a sinner, as somebody who's wicked. And I seen that and I said, that's the way. You know what a brother told me? I found that way in this book right here. And he was right. He was all right. It gives you the power to show you how to live. Look at Psalms 119. Go back to Psalm 119, verse 9. So I've shown you that the Word of God gives you power to have wisdom. It gives you wisdom. It gives you the power to show you the way to live. And finally, I'm going to show you one more power in here. Verse 9 shows you how to keep clean from sin. Psalms 119, verse 9, the Word of God shows you how to have power to keep clean clean from sin. Look at Psalms 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? This Word of God will cleanse you and wash you from your sins. Just Just like the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you know that when you're reading this, this is kind of like a detergent and it's cleaning you and washing you? That's what it's doing. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Having this word in your heart, reading this word, memorizing this word, taking this Bible and trying to, make a, trying to read it as much as you can, it'll cleanse you, it'll keep you from getting dirty, it'll keep you away from sin. 
And as any Christian knows, that's exactly what we want. Amen. We want that. I memorize scripture all the time to help me with different sins. And I try to memorize them and keep them and quote them to myself, quote them out loud. I have one right now that I've memorized, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. You have not yet, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. That verse means, hey, you're not bloody yet. Keep striving. Keep resisting. Against sin... Because I want sin out of my life. This word will help you, cleanse you, and take you away from sin. Now, there might be some young people out there that are saying, huh, you know, I'm not a sinner. I don't need to be cleansed. I'm not that dirty. Well, there's some of us old people in here who've lived a lot longer. And one day you'll be my age, hopefully. And the Lord, if the Lord doesn't come back, one day you'll be my age. And you'll look back and you'll say, you'll open up that old long scroll and you say, man, that's a lot of accounting right there. That's a lot of bad things I've done. That's a lot of sin. There's a lot of things I'm ashamed of on that list. There's a lot of things I've done I hope nobody finds out about. There's a lot of things on that list that people know about that ashames me. Yeah. And you're going to look at that long old list and go, how am I going to get rid of this? How am I going to settle this account? Amen. Who's going to settle this account for me? And this word of God right here will come in and show you and say, Jesus Christ will settle that account. He'll take that account and he'll put his precious blood all over it. And when you open that up, you say, I can't read it anymore. You can't read it because it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's where it needs to be. That's the only way it's going to be settled. But this old sinner right here, I settled that count a long time ago. I was about 17 and I went down and I got down on my knees and I said, Pastor, I want to get saved. And the pastor helped me lead me in prayer and I got saved. I've never been the same. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm not saying that I'm sinless. But all those sins, man, they're washed away. Oh, praise the Lord. They're washed away. And by reading this book and taking heed to these words and, to, and the power of these words, it's keeping me away from sin. And help me to stay clean when I do have sin that comes in my heart. Now, I've shown you all the stuff, that, uh, not all of it, but I've shown you a little bit of the power of the Word of God. Now, I want to show you quickly how to access. More importantly is, okay, you see there's power in this Word. I've talked about the power of the Word. I've, I've witnessed it in my own life and tried to give you an illustration of it. How do I access that, Pastor? How do I get this power? How do I access this? Well, it's real simple. It's a three-step process. It's a three-step process. And I'm not even going to charge you $29.95 like Joe Osteen would for you to go buy my book. I'm going to give it to you free this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm a good guy that way. Because this is, actually, it's free to begin with because it's in the Word. It's not that I'm giving you, I'm not giving you any kind of secret, guys. It's, it's all right there. I'm just kind of showing you where it's at. I'm just kind of helping you out a little bit. You know why? Because somebody helped me. Not because I'm smart, but somebody helped me. Look at Matthew. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. Three-step process. How do you get power in the Word of God? Matthew chapter 12. It's real simple. First off, Matthew 12. Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. Start at Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. Let's see what Jesus Christ has to say about it. Where do, how do I get this power? How do I have the power of the Word of God? How do I access that? 
You know, when I was into the occult, and I was, I was into the occult before I got saved, and I was into uh, devil worship, I was into satanic worship, I was into conjuring up demons, and to get the power that, the, that they wanted you to have in the demon worship and stuff like that, you had to draw these pentagrams, you had to do all this chalk drawings, you had to, go, you had to take a room, and you had to paint the whole room black, and you had to face a certain direction, uh, and you had to face a certain direction, and pray a certain direction, and conjure up new, it was just this incredible recipe and destructions of how to get all this power because it's all about power. And what's funny, when I became a Christian, when I got saved, I was born again Christian, the power in Christ is so simple. It's not my power. It's Christ in me. So when I'm talking about the Word of God, I said, well, how do I get this? How do I access this power? Do I have to go pay somebody? Do I have to go to, you know, you don't have to be at church every Sunday. I'm not going to say you have to get baptized. I'm not going to say you have to go to church. I'm not going to say, I'm, I'm going to show you three things. It's real simple. The first one is, you got to read it. Amen. Look at verse 1. Matthew 12. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. So they're arguing with them about the Bible. They're saying it's not lawful for you to do that. You're not supposed to be going out on the Sabbath and grabbing corn out of the field and eating it. And look what Jesus Christ says. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was a hungered and they that were with him? I'm going to show you some verses here where Jesus Christ is getting on to them for one simple thing. They haven't read it. Look at verse 5. Or have, you not, or have ye not read in the law? What's he getting on to them about? They're not reading the word. Now when I say the word, some, I say the word and I say that, but what I mean, I'm not talking about some pie in the sky idea like the word, like W-R-D, like some capital W, the word. I'm talking about the words, plural. And Christ is talking about reading literal words. There's power in doing that. Look, look, at Matthew, look at Matthew 19. I don't have time to go through all these. I'm going to show you some of these. Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. I'm going to show you how important this was. It's all through Scripture. Maybe you, never, maybe you never noticed it in the Gospels, but it's all through the Gospels. Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. It's all through the Gospels. Here's another time. Jesus Christ, he's been attacked. Look what he says in verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read... That he which made them at the beginning made them male and female. He didn't make them Steve and Steve. He made them male and female. Have you not read? What's he getting on to them for? They're, they forgot what they read. They haven't read it yet. To have this power that's in the word of God, it can't sit on a shelf. Brothers and sisters, it can't sit on a shelf. Just because you have a Bible and you display it proudly on your coffee table so everybody that walks in your house sees it, that doesn't mean a hill of beans. Amen. you got to open it up and read it. Amen. Now, nobody in here likes to read. Especially the Word of God. A lot of people, in this, a lot of people when they start reading, they read the Word of God and they're like, man, this is tough This is because it's nothing like you've ever put, opened your eye. I've got a whole house full of books. You come over to my house, I've got just, just shelves and shelves. And my wife, I'm lucky she don't divorce me over my books. It's just books and books everywhere. Books and books stacked up everywhere. There's nothing like this book right here. <laughs> nothing like it, man. 
I mean, I can take a book and I can read it like that and skip, well, I'm done with it. Wow, I mean, you're a fast reader. Yeah, I was, in, in junior high, I was grading out at a post-college graduate level of reading skill. They were amazed at how quick and good I was at reading. That's not, when I got into this Bible, it's like, ugh, ugh, because the Holy Spirit's got to help you. And it, but you got to read it. You got to take effort to do it. Look at, look at chapter 21, same, same, same book, Matthew chapter 21. I'm just showing you a few of these. I'm just pointing out these where Christ is getting onto them for one simple thing. You're not reading it. You're not reading it. Verse 16, Matthew 21, verse 16, said unto him, Hearest thou what they say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. He gets on to them all the time for one thing. What was it, brother? He was getting on to them because they hadn't read it. They're not reading the Word of God. You know what I find out when I, I deal with Mormons and I deal with Jehovah's Witnesses and I deal with some of these? They simply haven't read the Word of God. Amen. When I deal with people about Christ, when I deal with people, it amazes me. It amazes me beyond end. I have a 22-year-old kid riding in the truck with me that doesn't know the simplest things about this word of God, this Bible. They don't understand the simplest things about the flood, about Genesis, about Jesus Christ, about the resurrection. They don't understand the simplest things. And then it dawns on me, who's teaching them? They're not getting it on TV. And if it does, absolutely, if accidentally they turn on to some channel that has a little bit about the Lord, you think they're going to stop there? When they can turn it up one other channel, boom, pick a boom, pick a boom, pick a boom, and they're dancing around, and everything's going on. Do you think going to stop to hear about some man named Jesus Christ that lived 2,000 years ago? That's boring. They're going to keep turning the channel. The devil's got everything in their way for them to learn. But you've got to read it. You've got to read it. Look at uh, verse 42, same chapter. Chapter 21, verse 42. Gets on to him again. Jesus saith unto them, Unto them, did ye never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. He's quoting Bible at them. He's quoting scripture at them. So you've got to read it. That means you've got to make time to read it. You've got to be disciplined. Oh, that's a word nobody likes. You got to read it, and you got to be disciplined about it. You got to take time to. That's why we have these charts up here, and I'm going to leave these charts up here for you. You got to take time to 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 say, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'm going to read this, and I'm going to read that, and just mark it off, and go through this chart. And you can the New Year's. That's the reason why I'm preaching this sermon. The New Year's about to start up. You're about to have an opportunity to read through your Bible. And if you want to, you could read through your Bible in a full year. Here's a chart to do it. If you don't want to go through in a full year, here's right here. You can go through this chart right here, and it just, it just gives you a little, uh, a, a little square. And everywhere you read, just mark out what you've read. And you know I've read that. I'm going to read something else. But whatever you do, read it. Amen. So when should I read it? Pastor, early in the morning. That's what I recommend. Now, some brothers and sisters, they read at night. I can't do it. I, I put all my time in. I've worked all day long. I'm tired. You get me, get me at night time, and I got this Bible, and so I'm going to lay down in bed and read my Bible before I go to bed and to do this right here. And I'll be snoring. That's it. It's in for me. I won't, I won't read it. Early in the morning. You know, this is why I teach that. Now, 
Don't turn there, but write these down. Luke chapter 21, verse 38. Write this down. Luke chapter 21, verse 38. And write down John chapter 8, verse 2. Those scriptures right there show you that when Jesus Christ was teaching, it was early in the morning. Very early. The Bible says very, very early in the morning, Jesus Christ come into the temple and he taught. So what? And in another scripture, very early in the morning, he come in and taught. What that shows you is that Jesus Christ was teaching, would get up early in the morning, he'd go in, start teaching. If you were one of those that got up late, I guess I'll go on down to the temple. And you get down to the temple around 9 or 10 o'clock, Christ is already gone. He's long gone. Christ has already taught. He's got up. He's left. He's went to do some healing. He's went to do some teaching. He's went to do some preaching over here. You missed out. You had to get up there early in the morning to meet Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ would get up early in the morning and go pray before dawn. So I recommend as a Christian, if you, okay, most of us believe in tithing. We try to tithe. We tithe off the top 10%. I think that's how most of us do it. Like we'll get out, if we get a check in, we'll say, okay, here's this check. I want to tithe. And you take the first, the first thing you do is take the tithe out. Then you pay your bills or whatever you're going to do with it. But you take it off the top, right? So the beginning of the day belongs to God. It's God's. I'm going to tie that back to God. So you give the first 10% to God. So you get up in the morning, first thing early in the morning, and you try to find a way to read your Bible. Amen. And you read it. But you got to read it. It can't just sit on a shelf. You got to make time. You got to, you got to have a plan. You got to be disciplined. Guys, it's not going to come easy. But there's power in doing that. Real power in the Word of God for a Christian who's reading his Bible. If you're only getting the Word of God, the words of God, by coming on Sunday and sitting in here, and that's the only time you're opening up your Bible, and that's the only time you're hearing the words of God, I feel sorry for you. Amen. You're missing out. You're missing out on a real close walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I can't describe it to you. It's wonderful. You're going to have to do it for yourself to experience it. But I guarantee you, if you try it and you do it, you're going to come back to me and you're not going to say, oh, I didn't get nothing out of it. You're going to come back to me like a lot of brothers and sisters have and say, man, I'm enjoying that. I got a joy out. There's something about it. It, and it. it didn't have nothing to do with me. It didn't have nothing to do with this church. It has to do with this Bible right here. <laughs> You got to read. I'm going to show you one last one out of here. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 22. Look at verse 29. Here's a famous one. And I want to show you this one lastly because this is so good. I need to get going. Matthew 22 verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. You got to know the scriptures, guys. You got to know the scriptures. How do you know them? By reading them. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read? That which was spoken of you by God, saying, look at verse 32. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. What Jesus Christ is telling you there is when you read your Bible, you need to read it and pay attention. Every word counts. What do you mean? Look, look at verse 32. Okay. God talks to Moses. 
And he shows up and he talks to Moses. That's what Jesus Christ is quoting here in verse 32. He's talking to Moses. But when God talked to Moses, what did God say? Jesus Christ is, he's teaching them something. And I don't think some of them got it. But some of them did because they said they were astonished. Because he says there in verse 32, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. God didn't say, hey, Moses, I was the God of Abraham, and I was the God of Isaac, and I was the God of Jacob. That's not what God said. God says, I am the God. They're alive right now. See, God says, I am the God of Abraham because Abraham's alive. I am the God of Jacob, Isaac, because he's alive. Well, there's his tomb over there, Abraham's tomb over there, and God says, I am God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Amen. Wow. That's why they were astonished, the very next verse, that they were astonished at Christ's teaching. Because, man, we've, I, I know that verse, and I've read it, but I haven't read it. You get what I'm saying? If you're going to, if you're going to get, get a Bible, if you're going to get a Bible reading plan going on, you're going to read your Bible, and you're just going to say, "Okay, I got to read my Bible this morning," and you just skim over it, and you just read it as fast as you can because you want to get all that done, so you can get on and move on to your day, and you're not stopping and reading, because there's a difference, right? There's reading and there's reading comprehension. Amen. Christ is talking about reading comprehension there in verse 32. He's saying, "Notice what was said." This is what I just pointed out about Mr. Adams and me talking about. We've read stuff, and we've read stuff, and we've read stuff, and then one day we're reading it, and it's like, I never noticed that before, and God, it's been there the whole time. You've just been reading over it. You've got to read it. And you know what? Read over what you've already read. You say, well, I already read my Bible last year. Read it again. I already read all that. I promise you, I promise you, read it again, you'll get a blessing out of it. I'll preach a sermon, and then preach a sermon and study it out, and have those two verses on, and then a year later go back and say, man, why didn't I point that out? Look at that in there. You know, it's like, because God says, I had it for you now, not then. Keep reading. Guys, you've got to read it. That's the first step. Quickly, the second step is, look at Luke. Luke chapter 24, I'll show it to you. Luke chapter 24, here's the second step. So there's three steps to keep keeping the power of God, having the power of God, and the Word of God. Here's the steps. Here's how you access that power of God. That's in word, the Word of God. Look at uh, Matt, uh, Luke, Luke, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Look down at verse 25. So the two disciples are on the road to Emmaus. Here they go. They're talking to Christ. Christ shows up, they don't even realize it's Jesus Christ. This is after the resurrection. They're walking along, and they're talking to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is talking to them, and he's like, what are y'all talking about? And they're like, where have you been? And they're trying to describe to him about Jesus Christ, him being crucified, him being resurrected. And they're worried about this and worried about that, and they don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, and look at verse 24. And finally, they're telling Jesus Christ, and certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. They're talking about, and then when the women went to the, he wasn't there. He was gone. And he wasn't nowhere to be found. And what, what does Christ say in the very next verse? Verse 25. Then, say, then he said, that'd be Christ, said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. The second way to access, first off, you've got to read it. 
Secondly, you got to believe it. See what he said? Fools and slow of heart to believe. Not to understand. Did I say you have to understand it? No. You don't have to understand everything you're reading. I don't understand that, Pastor. I don't understand it either. <laughs> That's happened a lot to me. Explain this. I can't. I can help maybe over here. I maybe can help you a little bit over here, but that right there, I have no idea. What is the, what, you got a commentary on it? Yeah, you know what the commentary says? They don't know either. This book is written by somebody smarter than me and you. And you're not going to figure it out. And then one day, boom, it shows up. And you're like, oh, I understand that. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Then, said he, then, then, then he said unto them, O fools, a slow heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter in his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expanded and expanded, founded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. See that word all in there? You know what that means in the Greek? It means all. That's a kid. I'm joking. That means all. It, it, you, it, all the scriptures. Christ is quoting the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. So I'm telling you, if you're in here and you're like, well, I only, I only want to read the New Testament. That's fine. But you better put in some of that Old Testament too. Because Christ right here, he's getting on to him about the Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't even written at this time. He's talking about he took the Old Testament and he talked about himself from Genesis all the way to Malachi. Jesus isn't mentioned in the Old Testament because you don't know the Word of God. Amen. And if you go into this Bible and start, okay, Genesis. I'm going to look for Jesus Christ in Genesis. And God said, let there be light. Jesus Christ said, I'm the light of the world. You don't take two verses in there and you say, I'm already seeing Jesus. And Adam and Eve, they disobeyed and they committed that sin. And it said God took an animal and, he, and he, made a, a, he made clothes for them. And he, put them, he clothed them with that animal to hide their nakedness. Hmm. Well, so an animal had to die so they could be covered? That kind of reminds me of Jesus Christ. And what kind of animal that was? I bet you it was a lamb. And then you get up into Abraham and Isaac. And Abraham's taking Isaac up there and he's going he's to he's stab him. He's going to sacrifice him on top of that mountain. He carries him up there and he says to, he, he gets up there and he carries Isaac up there and he, he lifts up his knife to sacrifice Isaac, his only son. And God says, no, don't do that. He looks over there and there's a ram caught up in there. And he takes that ram, that ram's a substitute for his son, and he sacrifices that lamb. Man, somebody almost, somebody almost gave their only son. I know somebody who gave their only son. His name's God, and that son was Jesus Christ. You see that? For, oh, I mean, I'm, guys, I'm skipping it. It's all through there. Slow of heart to believe all, A-L-L, -L, all the prophets have spoken. You might be slow to pay your bills. <laughs> You might be slow to mow your grass. You might be slow to wash your dishes. But whatever you do, don't be slow to believe these words. Amen. Amen. Don't be slow to believe these words. Look at, look at Acts chapter 17. I'll show you the third one. Acts 17. I'll show you the third one. Acts chapter 17. Yeah, don't be slow. to. You might be slow for a lot of things, but don't be slow reading these words. I mean, believing these words. Acts chapter 17. Let me show you one more here. Verse 11, Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Let me show you the third one. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. 
Here's the third one. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. And look at this, end of verse 11. End of verse 11. And searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. The Bible calls them noble. Why? Because they were searching the scriptures daily. You got to read it. You got to believe it. You got to repeat it daily. It's not just say, I read a little bit of my Bible this year and that's, I'm done. Daily. They search the scriptures daily. You got to read it. You got to believe it. And thirdly, you got to repeat it. You got, it has to be a discipline. You need to get a plan. That's why we have these charts down here. We just, every way you can plan. We'll say, well, Brother Keegan, I, I can't read that much. I, I, guys, it says they did it daily. Here's where some pastors get off the rails. The Bible doesn't say you have to read it once through a year. It just says to read it. It doesn't say how much to read. That's why we made these charts. Wade helped me make these charts right here. The only chart I know of that exists like this that helps you keep track of how much you've read. And every chapter you read, just mark it off. And if it takes you 10 years to get through this, then it takes you 10 years. Let me tell you a testimony of my wife. I don't think she'll mind me telling this testimony. She's always tried to read her Bible and been very uh, disciplined to read her Bible. This last year, she said, you know what? I'm going to do something different. I'm going to slow down. So I'm going to slow down and read my Bible, and I want to just slow down and just read a little bit there and think about it and meditate on it. And she said it just has made the world a difference. It just come alive. And she's seen stuff she's never noticed out of there before. And she, did she read her old Bible last year? No, she didn't read all the Bible in one year. But she says her walk with the Lord is that much closer. Amen. She's getting a lot more out of it. Why? Because she's slowing down to comprehend it. Yea, have you never read? I am the living. Amen. I am the God of Abraham. Amen. One last thing this word of God does. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. And, and we're closing, I promise. 1 Peter chapter 1. Has the power to do. So you, if you want to have access to the power, you need to read it, you need to believe it, you need to repeat it. Guys, I can't encourage you enough. The new year's starting up. We're about to start a new year. Say, I'm going to, this is a good time to have that resolution you can keep all year long. And say, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm not going to tell anybody else how much I'm reading. I don't have to explain it to nobody. It's going to be between me and God. And I'm going to read a certain, certain amount. I'm just be disciplined about it. And maybe you might slow down. You say, well, I was going to read a lot, but then I got in there. And I'm going to slow down a little bit. Had a lady come to me uh, at the funeral. At Sister Colleen's funeral. She came to me. She got to ask you a question. I said, what's that, sister? She goes, I'm reading my Bible, but I'm getting a lot out of it. I said, really? She says, yeah, I'm, just, I'm reading, but I'm not getting a lot out of it. And we got to talking, and, she's, and I was explaining to her some of the things I explained to you this morning about uh, reading it early in the morning. She goes, well, to tell you the truth, Brother Keegan, I get up, and I, I like to read, but I like to read my novels. So she, she's reading these fiction novels. And then after she does all this reading and doing all that, then she'll go and she'll read a little bit of Bible. And, she, and it, I was like, no, sister, you, you need to read that first. You need to read the Word of God first. Read the Word of God first, and then put everything else second. And you could see the conviction. She said, yeah, you're right. I think that's going to make a difference. I'd like to find out if it made a difference. But uh, you need to read it. You need to believe it. You need to repeat it. Finally, I want to show you in 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to show you, finally, I want to show you in verse 23. It has the power to save you, the Word of God. 
has a power to save you. Being born again. Are you born again? Amen. Amen. I'm born again. Not of corruptible seed. Are you born of corruptible seed? No, I'm born of corruptible seed through my dad and my mom. But this is a different born. This is called born again. You've got to have two births. You must be born again. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Amen. By the word of God. Amen. How powerful is this word? Which liveth and abideth forever. When this world's all done away with, when the things of this world are all blown up, burned up, gone away with, and we're out in eternity for a million years, here it is. Do you realize, brothers and sisters, maybe you, you do, I don't know, this is the only holy thing you can hold? That's it. People talk about crosses and they talk about different flags and this is holy. And the, no, this is the only holy thing that's on the earth, earth right now. When Christ, Jesus Christ left, this is it. This is the only thing you can hold physically in your hands. Now we know the Holy Spirit moves, but it's a spirit. This is the only holy thing that you have right here. It's it. There's nothing else holy. There's nothing holy about this or about this church or about these pews. About, it's this. And it says that it will save you, it, by, you're, you're born again by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, all the glory of man is a flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Amen. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Romans 10 verse 17 says... Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Somewhere, somehow, some way, if you're saved in here this morning, somebody give you the words out of this book. They told you about Jesus Christ because it come out of this book. That's how important this book is. Are you trusting to go to heaven? I am, man, I am. Well, the only reason you know about heaven is because of this book. You know, you know about the streets of gold? This book. Jesus Christ waiting for you? This book. Your loved one's up in heaven, not laying out in a grave. Your loved one's not there, they're up in heaven. How do you know that, Pastor? This book. It all goes back to this. That's how important this thing is. Let's read it, let's believe it, and let's repeat it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy, Lord God. I thank you, thank you, thank you for these words. Lord, they're amazing. I, I can't thank you enough. I stand in awe of thy word, Lord God. And Father, I, I know when I first started reading your word, Lord God, I was a little scared in my heart, Lord. You know my heart, that I was going to find errors. I was going to find problems. I was going to find mistakes. And Lord, as I got into this word, Lord, and 25 years into reading it and studying it, Lord God, it just is so amazing. It's so incredible, Lord God. I, I can't even begin to describe to somebody how incredible this word is, Lord God. And I see, Father, as I read these words, that it's coming to pass before my very eyes on the newscast, Lord God, nightly. And, Lord, I thank you, Father, for giving us the warnings of what to look for, Lord God. But, Father, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody that needs to sound my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray, Lord God, that come to know the Jesus Christ of this Bible. They'd come to know Jesus Christ as dying for their sins. 
shedding his blood for their sins, Lord God, and coming up on the third day according to this word, Lord. I pray, Father, they'd come to know Jesus Christ like I know you, and they'd get saved, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as we give this invitation, if they don't know Jesus Christ, they'll come on down and get saved, Lord. And Father, I pray, Lord, if there's a brother or sister underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't, that, that, that has a heart to read your Bible, they don't know how to go about doing it, you give them some instruction, Lord God, through the Spirit, Lord God. That you give them this courage. You give them the strength, Lord God. Give them the know-how. And I thank you for them, Lord God. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. 
I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.